The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. He says, because from now on, I won't be drinking it with you until that day I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And you can read about that in Revelation chapter 19 about the marriage supper of the Lamb where believers invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb and there at that great banquet in heaven we'll all drink from the cup again but it will be a new cup. It will be even better wine. And at the end of the meal everybody's undoubtedly had their fill. Everybody's feeling good about this Passover supper. But at the end of the meal, they sung a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. What is a hymn? A hymn is a song of celebration and praise unto God. But it's important to understand this. The meal was concluded by singing a song a song of joy. Then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now the Mount of Olives speaks of a number of things. The Mount of Olives obviously is where they had a lot of olive trees. The Mount of Olives was was a hill or a mountain. And on the slope of that hill or the mountain situated east from the city of Jerusalem was a garden called Gethsemane. It's the same garden that Jesus would go to on the night of the Passover supper and he would pray to the Father. But the Mount of Olives speaks of the Holy Spirit. The Mount of Olives speaks of, it speaks of light and illumination. It speaks of love and peace. And so when Jesus and his disciples concluded the Passover meal. They sang a song. And then they made their way to the Mount of Olives. And I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes. I want to talk about joy in communion. Joy in communion. You know, in the church of my upbringing, Our communion services was always ended with a song of joy. I can remember my father, the pastor. I can remember his words. He would always say at the end of communion, he would say, well, quote, now we don't have a Mount of Olives to go to, but we can go to our homes and we can continue to have the joy of the Lord. And oftentimes we miss this in our communion services. We miss the the joy factor. We miss the singing. And I believe God wants us to, to institute that in our communion service, just as it was in the Passover, just as it was at the end of the Passover meal. Now understand something. The Passover meal was observed by the Jews by singing from the Hallel songs. What are the Hallel songs? The Hallel songs were the
the book of Psalms from Psalms 113 through Psalms 118. And it, it is believed that Jesus and his disciples sang from Psalms 115, Psalms 116, Psalms 117, and Psalms 118. It is believed they sang from these Psalms at the end of the Passover meal. During the Passover meal, they were singing from the Psalms during the meal, and they were singing from the Psalms after the meal. And I believe our, our communion services is a type of Passover. It's a type of Passover celebration. So if Jesus and his disciples sang with joy at their Passover, how much more? How much more should there be joy in our communion services? So what is communion? What is communion? These things we need to understand, beloved, and not approach communion as a ritual, as some kind of form, as some kind of religious exercise. We need to understand what communion is. Communion is koinonia, not a memorial service. Now in the New Testament, the word koinonia, the same word used for communion, that word means fellowship. It means partnership, participation. It means social intercourse. But the one thing it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it was a solemn memorial service. We got to stop approaching communion like it's a funeral when it's a time of joy and celebration. It's a time of colonia. It's a time to fellowship with the very one that cut covenant with us, the very one who shed his blood, the very one who died on the cross for us, the very one who was raised from the dead. It's time to fellowship with him. It's time to participate in the truth of that covenant. It's time to say, Lord, we're your partners. The same way you're in the Father, you're also in us. And therefore, we're in the Father with you. It's a time of, par of participation and partnership. It's also a time of social intercourse. In other words, you're feeling, you're feeling the relationship that you have with God. You're feeling it not just in your mind as a mental ascent or some thought, but you're feeling it in your heart. You're feeling in your heart that we are one with God. It's not a memorial service. Somebody say, well, who died? Well, Jesus died, but he's not dead. He rose from the dead. And we approach communion as if Jesus is still dead. I remember as a young boy in the church when we have communion, the deacons will always be dressed up and old servant communion would put on white gloves and if they didn't put on white gloves, they would have a hand-washing ceremony before they served the communion elements. And they would stand around looking at the communion table with a white cloth draped across the communion table. As if, the same way you look at somebody at a funeral, you know when you go to a funeral and you get there and before the recessional start, 
People are invited to come and view the body. And you know how we stand around the casket and we look at the corpse in the casket. That loved one, that friend. Well, people seem to have done the same thing in the church. They're looking at the communion table draped with a white cloth. And it's like they're looking at this cloth like somebody that's dead has been shrouded with this white cloth. Not so, beloved. It's not a memorial service. Now, Jesus did say, do this in remembrance of me. But he also said, proclaim my death till I come. Proclaim it. Jesus is not dead, but he's alive. And we as the people of God need to come alive during communion service the same way Jesus and his disciples came alive at the end of the Passover meal. So communion isn't a funeral. It's more like a wedding ceremony. I don't know about you, but I, I prefer weddings over funerals any day. You know, at a funeral, people are sad. People are sad, they're reposed, they're solemn. And oftentimes at a funeral you hear that, what we call funeral music, that the organist is playing, making you even sadder. Communion is not a funeral. Communion is more like a wedding. At a wedding, the hearts and attitudes of people are more cheerful, more upbeat. And the bride and the groom, we rejoice with them as they exchange their vows at the altar in the presence of God and the witnesses. And it's a time of joy. It's a time of hope. It's a time of expectation that these people could live and have a good life together as husband and wife. The same way the bride and the groom exchange their wedding vows at a wedding, when we have communion, we're also renewing our vows. We're renewing our covenant with the Lord. So it's not a time to be sad. It's a time to be glad. Glory to God. Communion service isn't a repast. It's, it's not a repast, you know, where you eat and drink until your hunger is satisfied. No, Paul told the church in 1 Corinthians 10 when they were abusing the communion service, he told them that if any man is hungry, let him eat at home. Paul said he had heard that some of them were taking the communion and eating the Lord's Supper before others when the word says we do it together. Then Paul was saying, and I also hear that some of you are getting drunk. They were getting drunk off the wine. So Paul says, what in the world is going on? Paul says, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? This is the Lord's Supper. This is about the Lord, not your stomach. This is about the Lord, not your buzz from drinking too much wine. This is about the Lord. You know, most funerals, not most, but many funerals, there's always a repast after the interment. You return from the cemetery and you have this repast and you celebrate by eating. In fact, the last funeral I, I went to, that's exactly what we did. And you know, you couldn't wait for them to bring the chicken out and the potato salad and you just couldn't wait. 
And you just ate and ate and ate. Well, that's the repast. But communion service is not the repast. I remember as a little boy that I wanted to get seconds. I wanted to get seconds on the bread and wine. You know, because I didn't have any breakfast. My mother didn't cook on Sunday morning. We always had a big feast after church. But you know, I found out you, can't, you couldn't get seconds. Huh? It's not a repast. Come on. That's not the purpose of communion, to satisfy your physical hungry. It's, it's not the thirst. It's not the purpose to satisfy your thirst. It's all about a celebration of what Jesus Christ done for you and I on the cross. So it's a time of thanksgiving. It's a time of remembrance. It's a time of proclamation. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. Proclaim my death until he come. In other words, live your faith and live it as a witness that Jesus is alive and not dead. So communion is a time of celebration and joy. So here in our text, we see once again that Jesus celebrated the Passover with joy. When they had sung a song, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, as I said earlier, olive oil. You see, that's what you get from olive trees. You get olives. And those olives are pressed to provide oil. Oil for lamps. Oil for cooking. So olive oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of illumination. It's a symbol of light. It's a symbol of love and peace. But this is what Jesus did after singing a song with his disciples. He went to a place that represented the Holy Spirit. The same place he went to that night after the Lord's Supper would be the same place he would ascend to heaven from, the Mount of Olives. So isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that Jesus sang? Let me say it again. Jesus sang. He sang a hymn. He sang a song with his disciples as he prepared to go to the cross. I want you to think about that. He sang a song as he prepared to go to the cross. Maybe this is why the writer of Hebrews says to us believers in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had joy before he went to the cross. Now, how many of us would have had joy? Let me ask you a question. What would you sing if you were about to die? What would you sing? I know some people are probably saying, oh, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy upon me. Some might sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Some might even say, they might even sing, Lord, come on in the room. Come on in the room and be my doctor. 
But what would you sing if you're about to die? What would you sing? Hmm. Is this why Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5? Is this why he taught this precept to them? Was he looking at the Lord's Supper? Was he looking at how they sang during the Lord's Supper and at the end of the Lord's Supper? But Paul told the Ephesians Christians in Ephesians chapter 5, who perhaps were also getting drunk on the wine, were also abusing the communion table. He said to them in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, he says, be not drunk with wine. Wherein is access? But he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Did that precept that Paul gave the church at Ephesians, did it come from his understanding of what happened at the Passover celebration? It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about you getting drunk. Paul says, that's dissipation. That's access. He says, we got to learn to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. For many years, when I first started pastoring, I was so convicted about People singing the word when they sang. We hear so many junky so-called gospel songs in the church. So many songs that depress us. So many songs that defeat us. So many songs that don't give us joy. But if anything, they steal our joy. And so during our praise and worship service, every song that we projected on the screen had a scripture reference. Every one of them. And I still got some of the originals of those slides. Every song was based on the scriptures. So we can speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts. So what would you sing if you were about to die? So we need to find out what Jesus sang in closing. What did Jesus sing? Why did Jesus and his disciples find joy at Passover when he knew he was going to die the following day? I believe they were thankful. They were joyful and thankful for what all God did and had done for Israel. Now, if it's believed, and it is believed, that at the end of Passover, that Jesus and disciples sang a song, and the Bible isn't clear if they sung multiple songs or they sang one song to capture these particular psalms, but it's believed he sang from Psalms 115, 116, 117, and 118. Psalms 115 verse 1 begins by saying, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Communion is not about you. It's about the Lord and what he's done. And we need to keep him in the center of our communion services. It's not unto you, oh Lord. It's not unto us. It's not unto us. 
It's all unto him. And we give his name the glory. Then Psalms 116, verse one begins with, I love the Lord because he's heard my voice. I love the Lord because he's heard my voice. That's a good reminder to have that God always hear your prayer. And even before you pray, God knows the things you have need of. So Jesus could have saying, I love the Lord because he's heard my voice. Then Psalms 117 says, praise the Lord all ye nations. Praise the Lord all ye people for his merciful kindness endure forever and the truth of the Lord endures forever. His merciful kindness is great toward us and his truth endures forever. Then Psalms 18 begins with Psalms 118. It begins with, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His mercy endure forever. Can you imagine Jesus singing that with his disciples? Because the mission of redemption was almost complete. All he had to do was go to the cross. So I can imagine in my mind Jesus and his disciples singing, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endure forever. So what am I saying this morning? There ought to be joy in communion. It's not a memorial service. It's not a funeral. It's a time of joy and celebration for what all God has done for us. Glory to God. Now let us prepare our hearts. Let's prepare our hearts and get ready for our communion service. Get your communion supplies near you right now. And we're going to eat the bread, drink the wine, and we'll give God all the glory. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor Williams, for breaking down what communion is and uh, more importantly, what communion is not so that we understand before we take communion and have a deeper understanding of what it truly is. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I this, is, this is Paul speaking. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks, and gave thanks for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which I have given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Every time you eat this and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Communion is a joyous time. It's not a time to be sorrowful or or, or sad because we know what happens at the end of the story. Now, I often when I read the Bible, I like to put myself in the story and say, what if I was one of the disciples and how they might have felt? And that night, it was probably a lot of confusion and they didn't really know the full story, but we have the luxury of knowing what happens afterwards. 
And we can be real joyous about this time, but we also need to take it serious because we know that the Lord also says, examine yourselves and make sure you have everything right. And if there is something that you have that is not quite right, you can ask the Lord to forgive you of those things and, and cleanse you and purify you so that when you take communion, you take it in the respect and honor and importance that it is. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to have a deeper understanding of what communion is and a deeper understanding of what communion is not. It is a celebration, O oh God, and we'll sing and be happy and joyous, but we also want to examine ourselves and make sure that we're pure and holy and worthy of taking communion. And so we take this time to pause, O oh God, to reflect on things that we may have done that will be displeasing in your sight. And we ask that you forgive us of those things and cleanse us and purify us, that we might take this and that it might be strength and health for us and help us to be stronger soldiers and your army. And we thank you for that time. We thank you for this time, oh God. We just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, I'm not a singer, so I'm going to let Elder Janelle sing, and I'm going to let Pastor William finish this, this service, but it is a joyous time. I'll sing on the back row. I ain't going to sing in the microphone. And so <laughs> we just thank God for this time of celebration and communion once again. Amen. Amen. All right. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Preachers say he can't sing. Well, Jesus sang. Don't you want to be like Jesus? All right. All right, let's go ahead and get our communion supplies near us. Spill mine all over the place up here. Okay. Everybody got your communion supplies in your hand. All you who truly and earnestly repent of your sins and you intend to lead a new life in God's holy way, then I invite you to draw near by faith and take this holy sacrament to your own comfort. And as you prepare to eat the bread and drink the wine, make your humble confession before Almighty God. And God will hear and forgive. The body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that was offered for us on Calvary's cross to preserve our soul and body unto everlasting life. Let us now take and eat of the body of the Lord and let us feed on our hearts and be thankful that Jesus Christ died for us. The body of the Lord. Let's eat together. After the same manner, the Lord took the cup. We'll wait for some of you. I see you're struggling. <laughs> These little cups here are not for older people. Obviously. All right. All right. You good in the back? You good over there? You still good? All right. All right. After the same manner, the Lord took the cup. And he said to his disciples, this is my blood in the new covenant that will be shed for your sins, for the remission of sins for many. Let us now drink of the blood of Jesus Christ and be thankful that Jesus died for us, the blood of the Lord.
Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.